Hello and welcome to the Monday, August 21st edition of the TV on Basketball Podcast with your host, TV. Happy Mamba Day. Happy Kobe Bryant Day. However you want to call it. We are back with another podcast talking more playoff hoops. Probably talking some Kobe at the end of this episode and just all the news that's happening around the NBA. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff to a lot of stuff to cover, so we should get right into it. But obviously, before we do that, I have to do my plugging. Remember to please subscribe if you're watching this on YouTube to TV on Basketball. Like, share, and subscribe, all that good stuff. That'd be very much appreciated. If you're listening to this on any of the podcast networks, um, remember to show your support. If you're on Apple Podcasts, subscribe, leave a five-star review, all that good stuff. If you're listening to this on Podbean, remember to like, share, and follow. And also, remember, we are on Spotify and also on Anchor. So there are a lot of platforms to listen to this podcast, and I very much encourage you to check out those links. And besides that, remember, TV on Basketball on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for updates on the podcast and for other content. With the NBA playoffs, you know, um, going right along, I've been doing a lot of recaps on that. And with um, the playoffs going into round two very soon, we might change up the content a bit, so um, keep a look out for that through my social media platforms. But yeah, thank you for all the support you guys have been giving um, throughout um, the pandemic, throughout this NBA basketball season, and I very much appreciate it, and that's why I'm continuing to do this. I love what I'm doing, and hopefully you guys are enjoying listening to this as well. So yeah, thank you guys for all the support, and it's a good time to get right into the podcast, so let's get right into it. I'm basically going to go through each of the series again, maybe talk about some more than others, but we're also going to talk about kind of like the bigger stories coming out of it. I mean, the bigger, like, um, topics to talk about. So, yeah, let's get right into this. The first topic I want to discuss is the um, Raptors facing the Brooklyn Nets and ended up sweep- and they ended up sweeping them in the series. Um, going 4-0, the last two games of the series were pretty much flawed. The last game, I talked about in my recap earlier, was an absolute battering. The Raptors bench scored an NBA record, um... 100 points from the bench, which is absolutely crazy, and they absolutely just dominated this this Brooklyn Nets team, who were very much battered. I mean, no KD, no Kyrie, no DeAndre, no Torian Prince, no uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, Joe Harris had to leave the bubble mid-series. It was highly unfortunate for them to um, be in this position, and the Raptors just showed why they're, just, they're a much better team, to be completely honest. I mean, there was just a lot of like just great performances like throughout the series. Fred Van Vliet was probably the best player for the Raptors during the series, scoring 20 points in three of the last four games. And a lot of it had to do with just supporting cast. I mean, if you just look at the bench um, unit, it felt like just, just someone each game just stepped up, whether it was game one. And Terrence Davis gave us that spark when the, when the Raptors were slowly but surely giving up the lead. He was the energy that kind of extended the lead back in the fourth quarter. Game two, it was a Norman Powell game. Everyone started was struggling from the field, and Norman Powell played an exceptional role in that game. Game three was a Sergi Bach game where he had a 20-plus point performance. And then the last game was just literally just a whole bench. 100 points is absolutely ridiculous. Um, I had to fact-check that if, that if that's ever happened before. It hasn't, so that's a new NBA record right there. And, you know, it, 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 it's, it's just like that the Brooklyn Nets were just disappointed. I mean, obviously the series would have been a whole lot different if their team was healthy. I mean, their whole seating would probably be like a lot different if they had their full roster. But it is what it is. They got the seventh seed. They really did show their scrappiness throughout these games. But when you have the talent of the Raptors going up against them, it's really hard to 
um, find answers because Karis LeVert did try. I mean, he did try, especially in game four. He was absolutely on fire, but no defense was being played from the Nets that game. I mean, it was a freaking all-star game for the Raptors. Like, literally everyone was hitting shots. And, I mean, it was a very convincing series for the Raptors. I mean, there are some like, bad things that I take away from this. I mean, unfortunate things, but they were able to come out with the, with the victory. And before we get into like more about this, um, the next series as well, I do want to um, extend my congratulations to Nick Nurse for winning the 2019-2020 Coach of the Year. You know, this is only his second season, and I think he just didn't get a lot of credit because last year he was kind of um, handed Kawhi in his first season. And, you know, people the way that um, the Raptors season played out, the way that Kawhi played so well in the playoffs, people were like, is Nick Nurse really that good of a coach, or was it because he had arguably the best player on the planet at the, um, at the time. And this year, he definitely showed that that was not the case. This guy is such a good coach. He, mo- he is such a good like, motivational guy. I mean, he's just a cool and genuine guy who gets the most out of these players. And that's why the Raptors have been so successful this year, even without Kawhi Leonard on the roster. And, and honestly, I'm just glad he gets the, um, the credit he deserves. I mean, he, he had to work his way up. I mean, he was coaching a lot in... Britain, that's always a good origin story to hear if you're a Raptor fan. And it's not like he was like one of those like, you know, coaching prodigies like a Brad Stevens from Butler or anything. This guy had to work his way up. This guy was um coach of the year as part of the main Red Claws, I believe in the mid twenty ten. Um and he had to work his way up. He became an assistant on Dwayne Casey's coaching staff and once Casey got fired, the Raptors didn't even have to look outside their own um organization. They knew that this guy had was up next and he definitely defied all expectations, whether it was last year and just like all the stuff he did, like convincing Kawhi Leonard to um, play as far as he did. I mean, let's be honest, Kawhi didn't have to do what he did, but he bought into our system. He bought into the philosophy and Nick Nurse was a big part of that. And he was able to make sure that Kawhi like, got, he got the most out of Kawhi and also um, got the most out of all the other guys as well. Just think about the amount of performers that, like, that performed well in the playoffs. Like Danny Green had a, like a good game, like had a few good games. Fred Van Vliet, um, after he became a dad, was absolutely phenomenal in the playoffs. Like, and like Nick Nurse is just such a good coach. And like my favorite part about him is that he's not like stuck in his ways. He is willing to try new things, and that's what the Raptors are kind of missing. Because when Dwayne Casey was the coach of the Raptors, I mean, no matter like what, I mean, like he would just stick to the game plan, stick to his game plan. If it wasn't his game plan. They weren't going to um, play that way whatsoever. And, you know, there's some times that, you know, Kate, we're like, Casey, it's not like working with DeMar and Kyle right now. Get someone off the bench. Give this guy a try. And Casey was just stuck in his ways. He stuck to a hard rotation, and that kind of bit him in the butt a few times because teams knew what was coming from the Raptors. And the whole, like, switch to Nick Nurse was that um, the Raptors became a lot more unpredictable. And I remember this quote earlier from the season from, like, a Western Conference coach. And he talked about how the Raptors are one of the hardest teams to prepare for because you just don't know what they're going to come out with. They have so many defensive schemes, defensive strategies, and their offense is just like, who's going to step up this time? It could be Fred. It could be Norm. It could be Kyle Lowry. We can have a Ibaka game like we had the last two games. Like, There's just so many different ways that the Raptors could beat you. And it has a lot to do with like Nick Nurse's game plan. And uh, I'm just glad a lot of people have started to realize that because this guy is a phenomenal coach. And honestly, as the resume shows for the first two years, it's one of probably like one of the best out there. Like this guy, like 
like had to deal with like so much like expectation, um, especially in the first season, and he lived up to it. Even when now, like people are like, oh, the Raptors are not that good. He definitely see those expectations, and I think that's why he was able to win this award. And you know, like this guy is just like I said, super creative and all that. And this guy is just honestly just a fun guy as well. Like this guy, like already in his first two years, is an NBA champion, and the head coach for Team Canada is an absolute meme god. <laughs> I mean, this guy has like just multiple gifs on the internet that are just absolutely hilarious. This guy already won Coach of the Year. This guy freaking played. Um, guitar for the Arkells during a concert last year in Toronto. Like this guy has the freaking whole package, and I'm glad that he's my coach. I'm and I'm just glad that he got the whole Raptors to buy in, and that's why even without Kawhi, these Raptors are still looked at as a possible M- uh, NBA Finals um, contender. So you know, good on Nick Nurse and the way he coached the series. You know, made quick adjustments, especially against Karis Levert, was really good, and I'm just glad that we were able to get this done quickly. So. Good job to Nick Nurse, and hopefully we have a lot more good years with him to come. And before we get to like more Raptors talk, because we will get back to that, I want to talk about um, their opponents for the second round, who they took care of business also during this weekend. The 76ers fell to the Celtics in a 4-0 sweep, with the Celtics winning um, in very convincing fashion, honestly. I mean, yesterday was a 110-106 game, but the Celtics had that game. We, we all knew it was coming. I mean... The 76ers and Celtics were kind of close throughout the game, but when the third and the third quarter came around, um, going into the fourth, the Celtics took over, and I mean the the 76ers did pull out a little run at the end, but it clearly wasn't enough, and the Celtics complete the sweep. I mean the Celtics, the series, man. I mean I'm I don't want to like bash too much on the Sixers. I, we're gonna get to that when the off season does come around, but on the Celtics side of things, they're just so lethal from the perimeter. They have even without Gordon Hayward in their lineup. Freaking Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Kemba Walker. Pick your poison, man. I mean, this like these these guys just played super well in these games. And what I liked about it, I mean, the 76ers did fight back most of these games. And there were some times in the series where Jason Tatum struggled, Jalen Brown struggled. And there's always that other guy to kind of pick it up, whether it was Kemba Walker. They just kind of, like, um, have this, like, nice rotation pieces, like, in the, ba- in the perimeter. And they just absolutely kill teams. I mean... There are times where Jason Tatum looked like the like the best forward in the Eastern Conference. And the thing about the Celtics, I mean, they have an underrated defense as well. I mean, they they had a game plan for Embiid. Look, he's killing us early. Let's cut off that pass into the post. Oh, he has the pass in the post. Let's double team him. They did all they could against the 76ers, and they focused on their one pure strength on the offensive end, which was Joel Embiid. I mean, it also didn't help the 76ers didn't get like much help um, throughout the series, but. Let's move past that because the Celtics did a really good job, um, you know, just like taking control of the series early and not like really letting the foot off the gas pedal. And a crazy stat coming from the Celtics, I mean, Kemba Walker in his like how many years with the Charlotte Hornets has achieved three playoff wins. And I believe that was like a seven-game series versus I – bo- I want to say it's the Pacers, but I believe it's a different team. But – I mean, here is he's already won four four games with the Celtics. I mean, it's just great to see him like in a winning situation, and hopefully making a deep playoff run. Actually, scratch that. We don't want him having a deep playoff run because they're facing the Raptors next. But you know, it was a really good, um, a really good um, offensive series by them. They were able to like win a lot of these games, especially when they were um, close in games, and they and they were able to pull out the sweep. So good on the Celtics. 
What I want to transition here is this is the first series that is actually like, determined for the second round. We have the Raptors, the number two seed, going up against the number three seed Celtics, which will air on Thursday. Um, that's when game one is going to be. I just want to do like a quick little preview on it because there's a lot of things to definitely discuss because I think this is going to be an absolute dogfight between these two teams. Um, you know, the Boston has won the season series 3-1. There have been some absolute duds from the Raptors in this game, mainly speaking Christmas Day and also that one game in the bubble. But I think these teams match up just kind of so well that I think it's just going to be like who's just going to be able to like whose guys are going to be able to put in like over the top. And like the biggest question for the Raptors here is that are they going to have enough um, defensive firepower to deal with those three guys? Because all three guys can take over a game at some point, and I don't know if the Raptors like have enough of the like the perimeter defensive weapons to deal with it. And for the Celtics, I mean, sure they have a really good you know starting five, especially that like three um, man perimeter offense, but they're not going to match up with the depth of the Raptors. I mean, we've just seen throughout the series like we've had like Nolan Powell games, Terrence Davis games. We're, we're almost due for a Matt Thomas game at some point. He's just going to be on fire from three and just win the Raptors a game like, by himself just by like being on fire. Like, Do the Celtics have enough depth to like, match up the Raptors? We don't know. And that's why like I think this is such like, a just a pick-your-poison series. Like, Which way do you think is going to go? And game one is going to be a huge, um, a huge you know, talking point about it because it's like, hmm, let's see what type of like energy both these teams have coming out. Obviously, there's going to be a feeling out process, but it's going to be like a, a nice indicator of like where the series might go. And both of us are missing um, missing guys as well because yesterday in the blowout um, win against Brooklyn, Kyle Lowry tweaked his ankle, his right ankle. He tried like walking it off. Um, he was arguing for a foul. And then, and then he realized, nope, nope, I can't do this. He hobbled back to the locker room and is getting an MRI check today. It's unfortunate because Kyle Lowry is the emotional leader of this team. He's the one who is um, kind of hyping his guys up. Like, he's the voice, the vocal leader. And the Raptors are going to definitely need him 100% coming to the playoffs. He's going to be one of their most, you know, important players on that team, being able to hit the three, play defense, um, set up other guys as well. So hopefully it's not as bad as we believe it to be. But um, I think our loss compared to the um, Celtics loss of Gordon Hayward um, is definitely big here. It's definitely going to be a huge difference because – I mean, Gordon Hayward's a good player. He definitely is. Almost a 20-point per game score this year. But when you have guys like Kemba Walker, Tatum, and Brown being that good on the offensive end, I think losing Hayward is like a, like is not a, as bad as um, losing Kyle Lowry to the Raptors, especially of how important he is. And, I mean, up to down Hayward, he's done, he left the bubble. So we don't know how like serious this injury is. We don't know if um, he's even going to be returning. But... Hopefully we, he does it because I want this to be a more interesting series. And although I want the Raptors to win, I want um, both teams to be at full strength. So hopefully those guys get back better. But this is going to be honestly one of the most entertaining series of the second round. I guarantee it. Let's move on and quickly talk about the other series that are going on around the league. Um, I'm going to try to get through, through these quickly. The Milwaukee Bucks versus the Orlando Magic. Uh, my, Milwaukee took game three over the weekend. Um, they're starting to find their groove. Chris Milton had his best game of the bubble. I mean, not the bubble. Of the playoff series, scoring 17 points. And it looked like he was actually looking for a shot, which is great. And they just did it. The Bucks really won that game through just high efficiency. Giannis only missed two shots. I believe he went 12 for, 12 for 14 in that game. He was absolutely phenomenal. Hit a couple had hit a couple threes as well. And the Magic just looked out match. I mean, this series should be ending today, honestly. 
And, I mean, the, it's going to be like a pretty dominant series from the Bucks. I mean, sure, Orlando gave that great um, um, game one effort, but the Bucks are just too good. That's really just the case here. I mean, I talk about how the Raptors, like, um, outmatch the um, Nets in the, in the first round series. Well, the Bucks just clearly match the Magic and talent here. So, yeah, I do expect this series to finish at five, but at least, you know, Magic got a win there, so it really got people talking. Let's move on to the next series, and we have the Lakers versus Blazers, with the Lakers going 2-1 up over the, um, going up, uh, going over Portland. And they did win that game 116-108. A lot of people were very excited for the series, and to be honest, the series has been pretty sluggish. I mean, game one, there was a lot of, um, you know, defensive effort. I mean, it was just like an ugly game to watch, really. I mean, good thing Portland hit the shots late. Game two was a blowout where the Lakers, um, Anthony Davis just absolutely went to town on the on the Trailblazers. And in game three, I mean, it was it was a sluggish effort as well. I'm glad that LeBron had his like really good game. I think scoring 38 points in that game, but it also was pretty ugly. I mean, there were just possessions in that game where people were not getting back on defense, not even getting back on offense. Like it felt like at point at some point like playing those directly games and. I know that feeling where, you know, you're like, okay, I'm done tired, going up and down the court, I'm going to take this play off. But these are freaking NBA players. Like, it's weird thing that from these guys. I mean, I've seen possessions where Anthony Davis just doesn't come back on defense. And I think, I'm not sure if it was Stan Van or, or Jeff Van Gundy, but one of them pointed it out, and it was ugly. I definitely have to agree with Jeff there. It was pretty ugly. And, you know, I, but the Lakers are still playing well. I mean, they really did pick up their defense over the last two games. Uh, help them with the victory. And I still see this game like going pretty short. I mean, the Blazers have basically had to fight for their lives every single game in this bubble. And I think they just completely gassed. The Raps, um, the Lakers, rest of the center guys, they pick and chose when they want to play. And now I think they're just going to be the more rest of the team going through the rest of the series. Do I think Portland can make it interesting? Yeah, I still think they could probably take a game, but I still believe that the Lakers will come out victors here. And then one more point before we go out, um, Zach Collins got injury, um, got surgery on his, I want to say his ankle, and he won't be out, and he'll be out for the rest of the series, which sucks because the um, Blazers need as much help as they can get, like in terms of like um, the supporting cast of Willard and McCollum, because the last game they, their bench only scored eight points, so they just need that extra like push off the bench, and having like white uh, on the bench will definitely help, but. In the starting lineup, things just didn't look that great. And they're going to miss Zach Collins for sure because that is just one less big guy they're going to have on their team. Sure, winning Gabriel has been a good um, ball of energy, but he just can't deal with Anthony Davis, honestly, whatsoever. And he can, he's not going to be able to like out um, to jump with, you know, Dwight and McGee on those left. So it's going to be a tough task for Gabriel, and hopefully Zach Collins recovers from a surgery pretty nicely. We move on to the next series, and it's gonna, and we're going to talk about the Denver Nuggets versus the Utah Jazz, in which the Utah Jazz are up 3-1 in the series. Game 3 was an absolute blowout, 124-87 Jazz. Um, what can I say? I mean, Mike Conley's first game back, he had that baby bump. He played fantastic in his first game back. And they, the Utah Jazz just completely just halted the Denver Nuggets offense that game. Come Game 4, both teams were great on the offensive end. But like I said in the recap earlier, that shot um, discrepancy, I mean, the Utah Jazz um, attempted 100 shots that game, 48%. I mean, sorry, not the Utah Jazz, the Denver Nuggets. 48%, not bad. The problem is 
the Utah Jazz attempted 27 less shots and were shooting near 60%. And that's just unacceptable, honestly. Like, the Nuggets offense can be as good as they can be, but they just cannot stop anything. And that's been the most frustrating part of the series. I mean, there's just some positions where they're like, oh, good defense, good defense. Give up the offensive rebound. Oh, good defense, good defense. Oh, we cannot, we cannot get, um, we let the ball go out of bounds. And it, it's just been extremely frustrating because I had the Nuggets winning this. And it just feels like they're playing really one-sided basketball. And when the playoffs come around, you can't really be doing that. And we talked about the, and I'm going to talk about the Rockets later, but they're noto- notoriously known for being a high-powered offensive team. But they're playing hard on the defensive end, and that's why they're winning some of these games. Nugs, on the other hand, it's like they don't they don't care. They're playing one side of basketball, and it's honestly been like extremely frustrating to see um, these how these games play out. Because you know, I wasn't expecting the Jets to shoot this well, but it definitely helps when freaking like no one wants to step up on Donovan Mitchell on a three. I mean, freaking Paul Millsap at the end of Game Four, take one step ahead. You know the the shot that Donovan Mitchell wants that three, and you know what he does? He hits it in his face. Like it's it's. The Nuggets, like, even if they get out this first round, somehow, some way to do it. I wouldn't be surprised if they got swept by um, whoever it's going to be. I think it might be the Clippers or Mavericks. They just can't deal with it. Like, they just cannot, like, handle um, anyone with a good offense. And the Jazz are not that good of an offense, and they're still killing them. So, pretty ugly series for the, Je- um, for the Nuggets. And the Jazz are looking like freaking world beaters right now, playing some great defense throughout this um, um, throughout the series. And also being able to go toe-for-toe in terms of the offensive end. So if the Jazz win this, I mean, congrats, because it looks like they have full control over this. I mean, one of the biggest things I do want to talk about as well, Donovan Mitchell's blossoming into a superstar um, before our eyes, because over the last few years, you've seen Donovan Mitchell kind of struggle in the playoffs, just um, exclusively looking for a shot. And this series, he took a different approach, and it's been working wonders for them, because Conley's their point guard, but Donovan Mitchell has been taking more of the playmaking role throughout um, um, throughout the series. And it's honestly been working. He's uh, got multi- um, games with like, more than five assists, like in multiple occasions. And he's still be able to find a shot because he's also a threat at like, passing the ball to the open guy. And you have to account for that if you're the Denver Nuggets. And he's playing that pick and roll game with, with Rudy Gobert absolutely fantastically. And Jokic, being the slow for the guy he is, cannot handle that. And Donovan Mitchell is, I mean, it's just taking advances in his career. And he's just like, I'm slowly but surely turning into that star slash maybe superstar, if you really want to put it that way. But he's been absolutely fantastic in this series. It's been a joy watching the Jazz play, honestly. Like, I wasn't I wasn't thinking that going into the series. But they've been really fun to watch, even without Boyan Bogdanovich. So, yeah, Donovan Mitchell is taking steps forward that um, I wasn't expecting him to take in these playoffs. And I'm just glad he's proving me wrong. He's been absolutely phenomenal. And it very much does look like they're going to be moving on to the next round. Let's move on to the next series. And we're going to be talking about the Oklahoma City Thunder versus the Houston Rockets, in which the Thunder have, sorry, the Rockets have a 2-1 lead. Luckily, the Thunder took um, Game 3, in which could be easily said as just, um, you know, the, the Thunder finally, like, finding their groove in the sense where, the three-guard system throughout the season was working, and that's what won them a lot of games. And for the first time in the series, you know, all three of those guards were just absolutely clicking. Whether it was in Dennis Schroeder scoring 29, Shea with, I believe it was 23 or 26, and Chris Paul just taking over late, ending the game with 26 points. And, you know, it finally worked that game. And, I mean, obviously the hardened foul really did um, help them. But at the same time, you know, the 
the Rockets were just not fully engaged in that final overtime slash fourth quarter. And the center took advantage of it, and they were absolutely fantastic. But the biggest talking point here, and I do want to talk about this guy because Canadian pride, um, this guy has just been like an absolute like thorn on the Rocket side, not just this this series, but even before the playoffs started. Let's talk about freaking Lou Dort because when he was um, guarding Harden on, on, I believe it was Saturday, Harden went three for 14. And sure, he finished with a water. I think it was like 38 points or something. But when Lou Dort was on him, he made life a living hell for James Harden. And Harden got his shots up, but most of the time, Lou Dort was able to stay in front of him and defended very well. Even when James Harden fouled out, I mean, he had to get switched on to Eric Gordon, and he was doing just as good of a job there. And Eric Gordon looked extremely frustrated with him, even um, kind of like shouldered him in the gut, um, which um, resulted in offensive foul. I mean, Rudor has been absolutely fantastic in this game and the series, like for when he's played. And I think a lot of the um, guys are realizing how good this guy is because Doris Burke was talking about it throughout the um, broadcast that. Lou Dort is just playing just like as good as you as someone can play James Harden, an all-time great scorer. And a lot of um, guys on Twitter, a lot of NBA fans are just seeing this, and I'm just glad that Lou Dort is finally getting some recognition because he has been absolutely fantastic. And honestly, his performance could really um, determine whether the you know the Thunder can come back in the series. So, yeah, he's made this game really interesting for me to watch, and you know you got to show some love to um, to some of your fellow Canadians. So. I'm glad for Lou Dort, and I'm honestly hoping for a very competitive series um, from this point. Let's move on to the next series, and we're not going to spend long on this. I mean, the Heat, the Miami Heat versus the Indiana Pacers, in which the Heat are 3-0, 3-0 up. Game three, the Heat um, won the game 124 to 115. And I'm not going to talk long about this, but you know, the, the Pacers gave them their best punch in game three, and the Heat were still able to win it. Mostly due to the fact because their best players are playing phenomenal right now. James, Jimmy Butler is um, playing some great basketball in, during the series so far. Um, one of them, like, probably, like, the most, I don't say confident, the most, there's, a, there's that word, motivated. There you go. Motivated Jimmy Butler I've seen. And he's just being himself, and it's really showing that he's playing well on the basketball court. And it's not just him. Freaking Goran Dragic has been absolutely fantastic. Is, and what I like about Drogic is that this guy is just like letting the shot come to him, and he is just a threat from inside and outside. He's looking like the Drogic you would see like when you like watch the Olympics, because Drogic in the Olympics, like before this run in the playoffs, like people would see him and be like, "Man, this guy is actually really good." Like basically doing thirty points a game, you know, almost ten assists. Like this guy was just like an absolute monster in like FIBA basketball play. And he doesn't have that type of role in the NBA, so people don't get to see it much. But, you know, he the way that the offense is coming to him in this series and the way that he is um, – just the, like, the way he is playing right now, just, like, kind of emulates, like, his international success. And that's fantastic because they – when, like, when the Pacers are giving their best punch, you know that Gordon Drogic is going to be able to either draw a foul, get to the line, or even, like, hit a three in order to kind of, like, halt, um, halt the run. And he's just a very good all-around bat offensive player in that sense. And Jimmy Butler being good on both offense and defense for his team has been has been an absolute, you know, wonder to watch. This guy is so good on the defensive end. And somehow in this series he's able to hit the three after hitting twenty four percent of them during the regular season. But I mean it's it's been a good fun watch and honestly it's been like 
it's kind of what I expected, really. If you remember my um, prediction before this, I think I was 4-1 Miami. And now I still think it's going to be a sweep because it just feels like the Pacers are absolutely outmatched. Obviously, the series would be a lot more competitive with the bonus in the lineup, but you can't really be talking about that when he's not there. So the Heat, you know, took on the challenge in front of them, and they're they're taking, um, you know, full advantage of the situation and playing extremely well in, under these circumstances. And I think the best way to describe the series is kind of that the last two minutes of that um, Game 3 victory from Miami in which T.J. Warren got, I think, got blocked by Jimmy Butler when he was attempting a layup. And then after, you know, the Heat's um, active hands were able to get the steal on him late in the game as well. So, I mean, T.J. Warren had a good um, regular, um, good seeding games, but come playoff time when they needed him the most, he hasn't really been showing up. And the Heat as a whole have showed up and were – have been able to take control of the series, so good on them. And now I want to talk about the final series and kind of like going into the end stretch of this podcast. Let's talk about probably the most entertaining first round series so far. We have this LA Clippers taking on the Dallas Mavericks, in which the series is tied 2 2. And, you know, game three, Luca gets injured, um, and the uh, um, Clips win that game 130 to 122. Porzingis was fantastic that game, and you know, the bench played really well. They really tried to keep them in it, but the Clippers were just too much and were able to get the win. Game four comes, and like I said earlier, I'm not going to go into the details of the actual game, but it was probably game of the year um, worthy, and they were, the Mavs were able to pull out the victory on a Luka Doncic game-winning three. I'm not going to talk about the whole sequence and everything. If you want to check that out, check out my recap from this morning. But the Mavs offense has like it's overwhelming the Clippers and I didn't think I was going to say that because I mean I knew that they were coming into this you know the number one offensive rating in league history but I didn't take that too much to account because because of the way the NBA is being played right now I think that record is going to be um, broken plenty of times you know over the next few years but at the same time I just thought like you know Luka coming into his first NBA playoff series he might struggle a bit because he has to deal with that um defensive the Clippers and all that and I'm like he's probably going to struggle man I did wrong because this guy has been absolutely phenomenal and as much as I want to um, talk about you know how he's like putting the team on his back I got to talk about the other guys on the team because his supporting cast has been great I mean Porzingis missed yesterday and they're still able to win the game but just throughout the series Seth Curry has had like his moments he's been like scoring double digits and scoring on an efficient rate. Trey Burke yesterday was absolutely phenomenal. I think he finished with like 25 points or something like that. He was absolutely fantastic. And he was like hitting mid-range shots. He was hitting threes when he needed to. He was big, just a really good offensive point guard for them. And, you know, I mean, we got to talk about the Clippers. I mean, Kawhi is inevitable. He's going to score 30 points. You're going to get that from the, um, from the reigning defending finals MVP. Lou Williams, you know he's going to do well off the bench, and he's been doing that throughout that, this series as well. He's been great. I I didn't want to talk about this too much, but playoff P, actually, let me be really quick with this. Playoff P, you got to step up. Freaking nine points yesterday is unacceptable. He had 11 points the game before, and in game two, he scored 14 points on 17 shots. What the hell, man? <laughs> pandemic Paul, Pandemic PG, PG 13%, whatever you want to call him. It's just been super ugly to watch, and Twitter is roasting him, um, social media is roasting him, and he knows he's playing bad, but what's, like, really um, hurting
with him is that like he's kind of like trying to say like oh like deflecting into something else and that's what he's like making this even worse like just yesterday after the game he's like this series would be a whole lot different if if I was shooting better yes Paul George it's that's like me saying oh my life would be different if I was a millionaire (laughs) you just gotta shoot better and it's really you know it's like the Clippers are just honestly like kind of annoying at this point when you have Patty Beverly chirping on the sideline when you have um Paul George saying like all these things like they just make this team like not very likable and as much as I love Kawhi Leonard one of my favorite guys in the league the rest of the team is kind of annoying me and <laughs> they're not really backing up the um the talk because people thought that this game was going to go like this year is going to go four or five games me included I thought this was going to be a sweep because I thought that the Clippers are finally going to turn up and they really haven't I mean Luka Doncic is just stomping all over them they can't even handle their like um other supporting cast and this series has got a lot more interesting than I thought it was going to be. And I honestly think that this got, this can go to distance. And I think the Mavs do have a realistic shot at winning this. Um, very surprising to say after what I was uh, saying in the, um, the preview video beforehand. But let's talk about Luka because I don't know, man. This guy, like, honestly, I'm just amazed. I'm honestly just amazed at like, what he's been able to do. Not just in the series, in this bubble. And just where he is at at his second year. Like, just watching that game yesterday, being able to, like, just take over the game, getting any shot he wanted to, he's 21 years old. And I thought, I really did think he was going to, like, struggle in this playoffs because it's like, I mean, he did play, and I really shouldn't have. I mean, he's played some big games for Real Madrid when he was in the Euro League and all that good stuff. And I just thought, you know, maybe it's the Clippers even is going to overwhelm him. He's going to be um, challenged by Paul George, Kawhi. Patrick Beverly's um, calf injury has definitely not benefited the, the Clippers, but I thought, you know, they still have enough to um, kind of handle Luka. And they just haven't. I mean, a 40-point triple-double in the playoffs. This guy, I believe, is like, I don't I think he's like only like the first time since Magic Johnson to have two um, triple-doubles in their first ever playoff series. There's just so many records this guy's breaking. This guy just looks like an absolute superstar already in his career. And Honestly, it's been just a joy to watch. Like, watching, just knowing about him before the draft, saying that, and then hearing pundits say, "Oh, this guy is not, he's not athletic enough for the NBA. His Euroleague style is not going to translate." Just, just watching now. Like, honestly, he's leave me, he's left me speechless on so many different accounts. Not just this year, his rookie season. And I think it just doesn't stop here. Like this, the fact that he's already playing at this level and going against one of the best teams in the league. He's made the series interesting. And let's not forget, he, he hurt his ankle in game three, which forced him to leave the game. He he said this, like, in the morning of game four, like, he didn't play well. But, you know, the, the trainers did him well. His teammates motivated him to um, to come up on the court. And he's been delivering. Like, you, you cannot complain of his performance whatsoever. And, you know, like, because I think I mentioned this in my, like, earlier uh, recap, but, 40-point triple-double, only Oscar Robertson and, Chuck, and Charles Barkley has done it in NBA history. So, he's among elite, among the elite already in the NBA, and I'm just glad to see him doing very well. But before we move on to the final topic and, and stuff like that, I just want to, like, address Shaq's comment saying, Oh, I've seen this before. I like, like you guys should really um, slow your breaks. I, I've seen this all before. Just stop hating. This guy has been absolutely fantastic. Sure, you've seen like that game winner 
a million times before. But like, it's so rare to see like Luka Doncic without Kristaps Porzingis take on one of the best teams in the league in his second year and just do that. But people are still always find a way to hate. <laughs> they always do it, and I just think that Luka Doncic, like, especially like hitting the biggest shot of his young NBA career. You can't be hating right there, Shaq. I, you got to know that he's absolutely phenomenal. And you see Chuck really trying to defend him. Like, are you serious? Like, only me and Oscar Robinson has done what he's done. And he's in his freaking second year. Like, they're so, this guy's just absolutely amazing. I, I I don't know how to really put it in words. But I think that this guy's going to be freaking an all-time great. He's, he's on his way to it. And I just can't wait to see how the rest of his career is going to play out. Because, like, on Kobe Bryant's birthday yesterday, the Mamba himself... Luca put on such a great performance, and honestly, it just gave me like that, especially that final shot, gave me the Kobe type vibes. It, it it just felt so good. And then we move on to the final topic, and I do want to talk about Kobe because um, I believe Orange County of California um, declared this day to be Kobe Day. Obviously, August being the eighth month, and this is the twenty fourth day, so this is um, Mamba Day. And I just want to like um, celebrate it, saying you know, praising Kobe, one of the biggest influencers in, like, um, a young TV. Like, one of the reasons I watch basketball, it still doesn't feel real that he was part of the helicopter crash January 26th of this year. I'm praying for his um, family, obviously, um, Vanessa Bryant and all them, and all the kids who um, survived, uh, who are still there. Obviously, Gigi died among along with the other passengers, so rest in peace to them as well. You know, it, it just still doesn't feel unreal. He, I just want to take this time to say, you know, remember just like how great this guy was. You know, he was doing great stuff outside basketball for the women's game, and just a, he was just a fantastic NBA player. Just like remember that, like obviously top five all time in scoring, an absolute Laker legend, and it was like knowing that yesterday was his birthday and he wasn't gonna be able to. So he hasn't even reached his forty second birthday yet. And just thinking of this stuff, you know, like he's going to go into the Hall of Fame next year and he's not going to be able to be at his acceptance speech and all that. So we just have to like, you know, appreciate like what, like, even though he's gone, we have to appreciate like what he's done in his short amount of time on earth. He made so many people basketball fans. He was the second coming of Jordan. So many great highlights. I, I have a whole episode dedicated to Kobe. If you want to check out my Podbean or Apple podcast, you can scroll down and find that. I believe I recorded one the day after he died and stuff like that. Like, it was really emotional because, you know, he was obviously one of the biggest influences for me growing up. But we also have to, um, you know, acknowledge that he's done, like, even like, in a short time, he's done so much for basketball, for the world. He is honestly a global icon, and I'm just glad I just got to witness such a great man do, like, all the great things he did. So on this Mama Day, from the TV on Basketball Podcast, from myself, I want to say, you know, Prayers up to the Bryant family. We love you, Kobe. We'll always remember you. And, you know, it was great yesterday seeing, you know, the big performances from Jamal Murray hitting 50 points. Jonathan Mitchell hitting 51 points. The high-scoring games, the Luka game winner and all that. It all just, like, especially on, like, Kobe's birthday, it all gave me those Kobe-type vibes. And it honestly felt like that it was great to have those type of performances today. And, you know, the Lakers are wearing the Mamba jerseys tonight um, in honor of Kobe Day. So that's going to be um, good to see as well. Hopefully we get a good LeBron game in honor of his very good friend as well. So, you know, rest in peace, Kobe. We all we all always miss you. And 
yeah, you know, it was happy Kobe day to you guys as well. I mean, take the time, you know, appreciate the man that was Kobe Bean Bryant and just like how great of a man he was like in this world. I'm going to end this episode here on that, like, you know, talking greatly about Kobe. Um, yeah, um, I'm going to, yeah, this is where I'm going to end the episode. Thank you guys for listening. Remember, if you're on YouTube, like, share, and subscribe. If you're on any of the podcast networks, show your support. If you're on those on Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review and all that good stuff. And, you know, remember, we're on Podbean, Anchor, and Spotify as well. And also remember to follow all my social media accounts at TV Unbatchable on Facebook, Twitter, and, in- and Instagram. Thank you guys for taking time of your day to listening slash watching this. I appreciate all you guys' support. I appreciate you all out there as we near 600 followers on Instagram as well. So thank you guys for all your support, and I'm going to help um, try to continue this um, podcast, this um, page going forward. Well, yeah, this is where we're going to end it. Thank you guys for listening. I hope you all have a fantastic day. Um, take care of yourselves, relax, and just, you know, you know, appreciate the people you have around you because – I seem to the Kobe thing, you know, anything can be taken away from you just like that. And you just got to appreciate those like around you like every day. So please do that. Love each other. And I'll hopefully see you guys tomorrow for another recap. Take it easy, y'all. Peace.